0: Going on! RGIJ is back, baby! But I'll I'll tell you this, Nori, though, man. One good thing that we have, honestly, and I share stories with Mike about people who vent to me about their jobs. For me, when I hear shit like that, I'm like, though, what am I going to get myself into? You know what I'm saying? Because when we joined the military, all we had to do was this, right? We took an oath, we signed, we went in. Now you got an interview process. You got to know what to say. You got to dress up. You got to make sure you look on point. Your resume got to have these keywords. You know, it can't be EPR resume. You know what I'm saying? Like, it needs to be set out (laughs) in this and this and that. And I'm just like, that's a lot. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of work to do because now you got to translate your military jargon to the civilian jargon because a lot of times they don't understand what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, my boy just got a job working operation security in his county in Pennsylvania. And the one thing they loved that he was command and control. So that sort of helped him because he knew that the dynamics of crisis management and everything else. But those were veterans that understood that because his director, whatever, was ex veteran, whatever. So they understood that. So can you imagine if you put down, yeah, you know, I, I was an instructor, I instructed 50 people on invasion, survival, and everything. They're going to be like, what the fuck is this? You know what I'm saying? So for <laughs> me, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm not looking forward to that. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I keep doing school. <laughs> I let the GI Bill keep paying for me to go to school. But eventually, I'm going to have to get a job. But the one thing that helps me honestly, and I think I told Mike this, that if I don't like it, I'm okay to leave because I have income. You know what I'm saying? I have money backing me up, my pension, disability, and things like that. So if I don't like where I'm at, where in other cases, like God forbid, in my, in, in my brother's job, they say, yo, you're fired? He's fired. And what the fuck is he gonna do? Now he's gotta scramble, figure out you know, where am I gonna get money? Do I dip into my 401k? You know, where where's the backup for this? Whereas in your case and in my case, we could be like, whatever, or you know, Mike does a lot of good investments, index funds, and all that stuff. So if you have your money stable to where you if you run into that situation where you're like, yo, this civilian work sucks. Let me try to get into the federal gig, GS gig, whatever the case may be, because it's still sort of military structure in those fucking fields. But if you get a regular civilian job, like law enforcement, a lot of those guys are veterans or whatnot, you know what I'm saying? But some of them are not. So you're going to have leaders that don't have that military understanding that they're going to look at down on you and be like, okay, you know, go clean the bathroom. And you're going to be like. The fuck out of here. You know, I was an E6, E7 in the Air Force. I was fucking training people how to survive and recover and all this stuff. You're going to tell me to fucking clean the bathroom? You know what I'm saying? So, my boy right now works in emergency management here in Florida. His supervisor reservist, she's over here and she's younger than him. You know, he's coming here like, yo, I did 20 years. I retired as an E7 and everything else. And she's telling him what to do. And he's looking like, yo. (laughs) <laughs> this ain't going to work out for me. You know what I'm saying? But again, his fallback was his money's good. He retired. He got his pension. He got his disability and everything else. So he was okay to do that. Not many people can. So let me ask you this. So you talk a lot about money, investing, and everything else. And Mike, Mike loves that. Mike, every time me and Mike talk, he's always teaching me something new about investment, you know, how to manage your money right and everything else. And like I said, like I texted him last night. And I said, dude, you're always on the hustle. You're always grinding. But one thing I do love that he does is he elaborates that to his children. You know what I'm saying? He makes his kids understand, like, this is the dollar, yes, but this is how the dollar comes. Is that a conversation you have with your son? I mean, I know maybe he might be too young, but is that something that you guys talk about? Like, you know, daddy can't always give you a dollar every time you put your hand out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you have those talks with him?
1: Yeah, it, he's he's only three, so it's kind of – he doesn't understand that yet. Um our talks are very basic uh, when he wants to, when he wants something, but I don't want to give it to him. I think it, that's kind of easier to tell him, no, you can't have that right now. Or no, I'm not going to buy you that toy. And it's usually like a done thing. And if he tries to pitch a fit, I'll give him a chance. And he knows the consequences, after him, <laughs> whether he goes timeout or he's going to get a spanking. And he, he knows like as soon as he gets to that point, he usually either tells me I don't want to go to timeout and I say, okay, well then listen. Right. So, um, <laughs> so that's kind of the conversations, but, and I'll tell people in the military. Here's one of the biggest ways that you can be well off. You're not going to be rich. Maybe you do. I, I'm not saying you won't. Is real estate. Meaning, wherever you're at, you should buy a house, build equity, and either rent it before capital gains comes, or as much as hold on to it as much as you can. And right now, if you had bought a house every PCS, uh, you'd be you'd be in the plus. Trust me. And so I tell people, one of my buddies told me this, uh, he's, he, I met him here at, at this assignment back in the 2019. Um, and he told me he's, he's kind of from Houston, Louisiana area. And he had told me, man, that's real estate, like buying houses and selling them are the way lower middle class to middle class becomes in the higher class, you know, gets into high class. So, um, that's one thing that I'll tell you, like, you know, buy a house, you know, Improve it, do your thing, hold on to it and then sell it and then buy another house. So don't throw your money away by renting something. I know it's the easy button and I know it's frustrating, man, because my water heater went out today and there I am with the home warranty calling, (laughs) hey, I need this fixed. And they're like, hey, it's going to be 44 to 24 hours before a technician can call you. And I'm like, they better call me sooner, (laughs) you know. And so but all those things aside, you know, when I walk away, especially here in San Antonio um, in the market. The market is crazy. You know, it's a seller's market right now. If interest rates uh, stay low for the next, you know, foreseeable future, um, I'll make out to where there'll be a bit, hopefully a bidding war for my house. And so, because we know, you know, in the military, the homes you buy, unless it's the last one, your last assignment and you're, you're, that's where you're going to want to retire. I think a lot of people try to right. do that. Um, it's never your forever home. So just look at it as an investment and do that. Uh, on top of that, you know, I'm not... I've been doing the TSP since I joined and it's been 10% of all of my pay, my bonuses, my special duty pay, all, all that. And so I don't even see the money. And I, you know, when I look at my LES and I'm like, Oh my God, I, here's how much money I'm putting away. It's, 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 it's actually uh satisfying and me and my wife do a, uh, um, what do they call it? Like Edward Jones type thing. We also have a mm. Roth IRA with, uh, Edward Jones, we're just switching to Ameriprise um, recently. So our financial advisor went to Ameriprise and left Edward Jones. And so we're going to switch over and go back the other way, lose a little bit of money for transferring accounts, but uh, well worth it because she would call us a, a lot, <laughs> you know, and talk to us about our account and how much money we need to be putting away. And so that's, that's a little bit part of our security. And one of the RRAs are for my son. And so that's kind of how we'll we'll deal with that for his money is we're putting away right now. So by the time he's 18 and he leaves the house, because he better damn well be leaving the house at 18. He ain't going to stick around. I ain't going to let him. Good. <laughs> I don't care. There's a lot. There's a lot of people, you know, like my parents are right now with my 18 year old brother. All of them are like, well, as long as he's in school and doing this, I'm like, no, my son is going to live a great life <laughs> up until he's 18. He'll have a car that I have probably bought him by then. He'll probably have a job. So going to school. But more than likely, after he's 18, I'm going to be like, go live your life. <laughs> don't, mommy and daddy will always be here, but I'm not going to be here to um, support my kid on every endeavor. Because right now, I mean, I, I don't even know. I don't even know the statistic, but I think there's a lot of people that still live with their parents. Mm. And some of them are my age. And I'm like,
0: or older. Damn, dude. Or older.
1: <laughs> or older, you know what I'm saying? And again, <laughs> they're. Everybody has hard times. I totally understand that, but we again, we shouldn't I don't want to put that burden on my mom and dad, you know. <laughs> they don't come from a lot and I think they've dug themselves out of holes at the age of 14 to where they're at now, where I'm like I'm happy where they're at, but I'm not going to put that on them. Hey dad, I got to move back in the house. Like I couldn't even as a man ask my dad that. Um so that's just me. But yeah, real estate is probably the best way if you're in the military right now thinking about getting out or wanting to continue your career. Um, buy and sell homes because you get paid a BAH to do that. Um, don't throw that money away and rent because that's just a bad idea.
2: Yeah. One one thing I'll say about that stuff, Nori, like, you know, if you look at it from, from your perspective that you're, you know, you're on a military base, you have military guys, one thing you could do with your property there is don't sell it. Right. So this is coming from a realtor. Yeah. I would not sell it and I would get military guys to so rent out the room, sublease every room. Because if they're single guys, they want your house. It's a nice, I've been to to it. It's a nice house. And it's what, two story, right? If I remember? Yes. Right. So you get that. You get like four, three or four guys in there doing it, paying you five to 600 bucks a piece, cheap level for them. Then that pays your mortgage. Don't even worry about it. Go to your next duty station, buy another property, same concept of do that. And and the reason why I'm, I'm, this is how I am and this is like my goal and all these things. So I created an LLC for my property, right? So I have a property this year, I'm gonna get five to six properties. Like I need to get these properties. I want them, I need them, like I, I have to have it. Um, and what I'm doing is I'm never gonna sell them. My, my idea is never sell them. What I'm gonna do is make my LLC, either this year or next year, I'm turning into a an S Corp. And then after I turn into S Corp, I'm gonna turn into an actual uh, trust. And what that means is when we're talking about generational wealth, I was talking to the wife the other day. My goal is my great grandkids. Like, So we're, we're thinking, you know, like far, far the fuck out in the future. The great grandkids, because we have a trust and we have so many family businesses that when they're like 12, 13, and 14, there is no longer summer trips. You're now working for the company. And now when you're 16, you're, you're hired for the summer. And you're working and when you're when it's time to go to school or you're doing that, you're doing it for the company and you're going to become my, an executive at that point. And that's kind of the, you know, forward thinking at 27, because you've been with a company 16, 17 years or whatever craziness because you've been doing it since you were young and you know it from the ground up. And that's what I'm saying. Like, and I told her, like the house we have now. Right. So I, I have a house. My goal is with the next five years, hopefully my company can actually buy this house it will actually rent, it will pay my mortgage for me because I'm the owner of this company and I will not have no mortgage. It will not be under my name at all. And we'll put it under the trust because the kids, what happens with them is they'll have money, but nothing happens until they're 18. So all that money will get invested into index funds, real estate properties, and all those things. And then when they turn 18, they get a little bit of it. And when they have kids, the same thing happens to them. They, they can't touch until they're 18. So it's another 18 more years of just always reinvesting our funds so we can make sure that, I'm a poor kid, like I come up from just nothing to we look at it and they're saying like, hey, we're in suits and ties and and you have now this new standard of it. But because, you know, like kind of what you're saying, like you start off from the ground up and, you know, a lot of things that, you know, that you said is kind of that concept of you look at where you, where your parents started at, where they're at, and you look at where you're at, it's always a better situation. That's kind of the goal as a parent is to always make sure that you are good, but your kid, in my opinion is doing way better than you. Because if they're doing less than you or at the same level as you, in my opinion, you failed, right? Like I've always considered, you know, you my son. Um, and I kind of want to talk about that because I think we're, we've been a little bit too serious for so long. Uh, I want to go back and let everyone know that, that the way it goes down is, and it was on Facebook and you never accepted this. I don't know why you did it, but I had you as my son and you never accepted it. And it kind of, a little upsetting to say the least.
1: I would, You know, so, <laughs> man, when I think about Honduras and when we all met, man, I, man, I'd love to go back. I think in the position that I was in, you know, what happened with uh, me and at that time uh, my fiance, uh, challenging, a different challenging. I had never met anything like that or had dealt with anything like that. And, uh, you know, luckily you and Izzy were there, you know, and that's. That's like the biggest thing that is. And I think the son, the Ijo thing, it became like, Izzy would say it, and I'd be like, hell no, nah, man. I'm your son. And then, but I felt like you, Mike, you have that title, because everyone, even Izzy would be like, Eho, I just talked to Eho. and I knew who he was talking to, because he wasn't talking to me. And I think that might just be an age thing, because we're both older yeah. than you, and I'm I like, I can't one. be your son. I can't be your son, because you're younger than me,
0: so...
2: <laughs> but I'm bigger than both of y'all. That's the thing. Like both of y'all are like five five. Like you were you know what were I mean? the
0: adopted child is what you were. You were the yeah, no, adopted no. child. So the I was the office stayed bitch. a little longer. So the the funny thing is the reason why we laugh at that, because we we do, just for those that are listening, that we did call Mike Eho. I, I think I started it right. Because he was like the first Spanish person that I met that didn't know how to fucking speak Spanish. So I was like, yo, this is my hijo, this is my son. And then Nori was like, oh, hell no. That's my son right there. I was like, no. I'll be honest We had like paternal conflicts. Like who's taking custody of this kid? Is this kid my kid? Or is this your kid your kid? But honestly, Honduras was by far one of my top three great assignments that I had. Just because of the fact that one you were Honduras, two you were allowed to go to on vacation, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and three you were allowed to bring whoever you wanted to bring with you, you know. And it kind of I'm kind of glad that they did the whole battle buddy and everything because it sort of forced people to want to go out as well. I mean, it, I'll be honest with you, when, before you guys got there, I was maybe going out with one person, maybe two people the most. Once I got to learn the ropes and everything, and then it turned from you guys coming out. So, like, all of Soto Kano was fucking coming out. And I was like, yo, what is happening? Like, we were going out. Like, I look at the pictures, you know, the memories pop up in Facebook. And I look at these pictures and I'm like, holy shit. Like, there's us three. And then you see the rest of the conglomerate behind us of people that we worked with in the job, along with the, you know, the homegirls that we met, the friends and everything else. And I'm just like, how did it go from such a small amount? to such a fucking big gathering. But again, it was just awesome because it forced people to go out. Even those that didn't want to. You know, you had those that, like, O'Donnell. You remember Lieutenant O'Donnell, O.D. He was... He was right there before. Yeah, he was one of those those at the beginning that was like, yo, I just want to stay. No worries, this and that. I don't want to do anything. And then after a while, I was like, fuck it. Let me go out because now I'm seeing, you know, the stories kept coming back. Like, yo, man, we had such a great time. We had such a great time. And all of a sudden, everybody was like, fuck it. Let's jump on the the bandwagon and let's fucking go up. But I hear now it's it's trash. Like,
1: dude, I went back. So, so I left in 2010, right? Because I was only a six monther. <laughs> I went back in 2011 for like 20 days. Still same. Not not much to change. Uh, I went back probably another seven, eight months after that, and dude. I showed back up there thinking, Oh man, all the bars are gonna be open. We can go bar hopping with some of the people that are coming with me, uh TDY there. And bro, they had shut it all down and the only place that was or the only two places were open were the Air Force Bar, I forget mm-hmm. what that mm-hmm. was called, which nobody ever yeah. went there, rarely. Right. And then there was the another bar they had just built, and that was it because of the whole enlisted officers sleeping with each other shit. So they shut it all down, dude. And they said, hey, the officers are going to have their place and the enlisted people are going to have their place. There could be some commingling, but it's not going to be allowed. Um, hell, I don't even know what ha- what's happening now. I probably wouldn't want to go TDY there because it's probably even worse.
0: So. Yeah, I heard they demolished a lot of the stuff. But I do recall that we went out to the one club and when we got in, we always had like our own little area. Uh, we had mad bottles of fucking great goose all the time. And I remember Nori would drink and he will do his little <laughs> they play the letter thong. That's how you knew Nori was feeling nice. He started doing his little, his little swerve here and there. And then what happened? We go to the after hours bar, which was illegal as fuck. Like, they should have been closed down. And I look at Mike and Mike looks at me and somebody's sleeping on the table. And we're like, who's sleeping on the table? Who was sleeping on the table?
1: My <laughs> son. <laughs> i still do that man a lot of my friends now that tell me that bro bro when i'm ready to go to sleep i'm going to sleep and they tell me well now what i do is you, if 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 i'm with my wife and we're drinking i'll be like we got to go home and she'll be like mm-hmm. okay and we'll get an uber and we're home if i'm without her like she let me go out with the boys and we're out there they'll be like dude you it was midnight one o'clock whatever and i'll just be like i'm out of here see you guys later bye and I'll just go home, man. I'll straight up ghost everybody and just go to sleep. because I'm tired, bro, like, I don't want to stay up. I just want to sleep. So I still do that, man. Always uh, always, and will be. I go hard and then I'm done.
2: Well, you know what's fun about, like, all that Honduras shit, man? Like, it was, like, I, I consider it one of the best times. It's like, I consider that my college years, in a sense, like, six months of college years. i never went to college. I never went to like, But I know what it's like to... Military do like it's, I always tell people man it's like that one military story you got to hear like when I was coming up we heard all these stories like we did all these crazy shit and like I missed the military at that point that was a time for me where it was almost like we were in a in a, in a like in a, in a capsule right in a time capsule to go back to old school military because we did so much shit that we probably get in trouble for nonstop, stop or as you know not like illegal because you know you're still in. Um, but you know what I mean? And like, we had so much fun where it should be illegal of how much fun we had. I mean, there's probably things that we probably probably talk about it um, that, you know, like most people wouldn't think about with the military having fun, but like we, we really got to know each other. Um, we hung out at work and, and that stuff. We, you know, we did those things and yeah, Honduras was a really crazy, really crazy place. Um, you know, there's some other people, you hear some stories and they're like, what'd you do? You're like, oh, I really didn't do much. You're like, Oh, you missed it man you just you missed yep. it like it I was t- fun. i
1: tell people the college you know so like while people say hey college party this and that being young in the military and like having money and partying mm-hmm. is way different than not having yeah. money and so because when you're in the military and like we were we're in honduras together or anywhere is that we're making money so we're able to go out buy drinks do everything we do so we have the money to go have more fun whereas if you're college party and more likely you don't have a lot of money like expendable money to just go spend and on top of that you got to do schoolwork. for us we just got to show up to work and do our job there was no No. homework at the end of the day to go well i got to do my homework tomorrow or today i was like no man i just got to show up to work in the morning and some people took full advantage of that because i remember i would see guys showing up as soon as we got off of work on friday they were already at the bar shit canned and they were like that all weekend (laughs) <laughs> until sunday and then they yeah. would show up to work on monday so it's just a different level of drinking and partying which it's all in good fun i thought i thought the what i forgot what bar was that called the one that was right there where we all lived, pretty much
0: the rally point
1: well at least where me and mike the rally point yeah dude i thought oh, yeah. that bar was the chillest bar you could walk in there and someone was always there drinking and partying and so um it, it was it was great fun man i i don't know if there's too many places like that anymore I feel like there's trying to like, get people together now, like the seer guys that are here, it's easy to get together. But outside of that, like we try to get everybody out, like, else to come out and it's just not there. I think people are so like homebody now or like have their own little thing going on outside of the military that there's just like that weirdness of like hanging out the uh, people that like like in Honduras.
0: So. Yeah, but I think, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like we did have a, an important mission there. And even, oh, even even though we did what we did as much party as we did, when shit needed to go down, like people had needed to know what they needed to do. Like they were ready to do it. You know what I'm saying? Because I know for sure whenever I got called to say, hey, we're going to coordinate this interception, it was like I knew that those pilots were out. You know what I'm saying? Like they were doing their thing and everything else. But when that called the page or whatever it was to notify them, they were like turn the switch on now we got to go to work you know what i'm saying that was one place that as much debauchery as we did as a command post person we never i hardly ever got calls of shit people fucking up you know what i'm saying oh i i think there was only one time there was one time where we got a call where somebody fucked up and that was the uh, the sergeant major reservist were, were you guys still there for that so, you know, we we had curfew. Curfew was you had to be back, I think it was by 1.30, 2 o'clock, right? So this dude, because he was a sergeant major, E-9 reservist, he thought, I'm an E-9, I'm, I could come back whenever I want to. So he came stumbling in. And, of course, you have the Puerto Rico cops. <laughs> so those motherfuckers, <laughs> those motherfuckers don't care. You know, they, they die for work. You know what I'm saying? Like, they want shit to yeah, happen yeah. because they want to do work, you know? <laughs> so he comes in. And they're over here with their fucking broken-ass English, like, hey, Sergeant Major, you know, what's going on and everything? Like, you're, you're late. So they started reading him, like, his rights. And he's like, oh, what the, you know, drunk. Yo, oh, what the fuck? I'm an E-9, Sergeant Major, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, sir, please put, you know, turn around, put your hands behind your back. They handcuffed him and everything. So we get the call that we need to call the colonel because this just happened. Dude, <laughs> that Sergeant Major went home the next day. He was gone, sent back to his unit, fucking went back to Florida where his reserve unit was at because that was zero tolerance. You know what I'm saying? If you were fucking past curfew, you were done. That's why we always made sure that anytime we went out, it was overnight. Like, we weren't doing a fucking little day trip to Tegucigalpa, go see the mall bullshit. Like, we were staying at the hotel, and we were coming back at a certain time when we knew we were coming back. But the whole, and you know, I was there for a year. I was permanent party there. The whole year that I was there, that was the only one time that I had an incident to where we had to wake up the colonel for anything else. But any other time, like I said, as much... And, you know, we're going to the rally point on a Wednesday, just straight off of work, start drinking to fucking... You know, they tell us, hey, we got to, you know, we're closing down or whatever. And then we try to look at the other army bars to see if anybody's in there that is still drinking <laughs> or the medical fucking bar to see if everybody's still drinking. But you know, you could easily go five, six in the morning without even knowing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't even you know. Wouldn't. Back in the day, and yeah. the crazy thing, like I said, nobody It's like everybody knew we got a gem of a fucking deployment or a short tour that why would we want to ruin it? You know what I'm saying? Like everybody really played smart while they were there. Even though Nasty Nate did his stand like with the fucking the hooch made and all that stuff like it, it never came back you know what I'm saying like it, it never yeah, came yeah. back to where he got yelled at like what the fuck are you doing you know what i said? like everybody just knew how to play the fucking game and that's what I think that was the one biggest thing that I loved it was like the company that I was with even when we went out we stood overnight on the weekend nobody was belligerent nobody wanted to fight yeah. anybody you know what i said? like everybody knew like yo we're just here to chill, you know what I'm saying? We're just here to have a good time, drink, enjoy ourselves, you know, if things happen, things happen, but for the most part, we're just here to have fun. And everybody looked out for everybody. You know, we needed to be back at the hotel this time, we were back at the hotel that time. You know, thank God for Ricardo always showing up, staying with the van and everything else, he always made sure <laughs> we were fucking taken back with no problems. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't get that. You've been, I've been to Turkey, Europe and everything else, and always something pops off always and never fails something <laughs> negative always happens but in honduras that was probably one of the like i said my top three places where that one time it was like no problems man it was just smooth like you look forward to the weekend because you like we're all gonna go out we're all gonna have a fucking great time man it was crazy